The beauty of that is, is we throw Joe off because instead of uh, doing two songs, we're doing one and then we're singing four at the end and that'll just drive him completely nuts. So if you hear somebody scream in the background, thank you very much. That's uh, Joel going insane. That's That's fun. (laughs) Who's going crazy? No, just Joel. He's singing. (laughs) He's making a joyful noise to the Lord. It just sounds a lot like insanity. So um, for our guest, everyone here should know by now, but for our guest, uh, we're going through the Gospel of Mark, and we have been doing so for for quite some time. Um, The invitation is this. Uh, Hopefully what what we say here together comes from God, but this definitely does. So read the Gospel of Mark. You're going to come out ahead if you read the Gospel of Mark no matter what. Uh, We are going through it section by section. Uh, And tonight we are on the sixth chapter of the Gospel according to Mark, verses 35 through 44. And that scripture will appear behind me here in just a second, but it's also in the white bulletin. And there are tapestry Bibles around you, and it should be on page 712, I think. Uh, It's listed on the piece of paper. So, this is what the word of the Lord says. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. And it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he, and the he here is Jesus, answered, You give them something to eat. They said to him, That would take eight months of a man's wages. And we go to, and are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass so that they sat down in groups, so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the, the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and set, before the, and set them before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Now, guys, some of you have heard this story before. Um, I, I try not to tell the same stories over and over and over again because you, you, you're just like, oh, no, Robert, not again. But I love this story because my wife and I have been to England once in our life, mainly because she's a genius and she's brilliant and she's a, amazing. She, you know, If she wasn't a professor... She could be a travel coordinator. I mean, she's just good at that. I think sometimes just as a hobby, sometimes she's just like, I'll plan a trip. But she figured out a way for us to go to England. And as a part of England, we went to this place. Whoops. Well, not working, Adam. You're going to have to hit it. Anybody know what this is? That is Trafalgar Square. Who was that? Was that Jesse? Very good. That's where, Yes, that is where Lord Nelson's statue is. And Lord Nelson's statue is... Actually, Lord Nelson is chopped off there. Yeah, he would be right up there. Apparently, Lord Nelson is not very important in this picture. It's a very famous square. It's famous for, one, Lord Nelson's statue. Two, this is this amazing place for pigeons because of these two fountains. And these fountains 
are huge. And you should get an idea of how big they are. Well, Pam and I went there because this is what you do. When you go to England, you go to Trafalgar Square. It's just one of those things you do. Don't ask me why. I can't tell you. I just know that you go and you do it. And when we were there, well, we saw one of these fountains. Could you hit that, please? And, I mean, it's a big fountain. And we were, we were staring at the fountain, and we were, you know, getting ready to take photos and such. And, well, here, would you hit it again? This, you know, just to kind of get you in the mood here. And, and while we were, we were looking at the fountain... I think I noticed this first. Yes. What I noticed was there was a guy. If we were in the south, we would say he was butt naked. Okay. He was nude. Standing on top of the fountain. Notice the fountain there. With a dry erase board. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't see many nude guys carrying around dry erase boards. And so when I do see a nude guy, here, let's give him a picture. Would you just flash that up there? So kind of like this, okay? When I see a nude guy carrying a dry erase board, I think this must be important. I mean, that's just the way my mind thinks. Because he had written a message on the dry erase board. And then was standing up there nude. And, and slowly people began to notice. I think they began to notice because I shouted out, They got butt naked! <laughs> and you got lots of tourists around. And they're like, <laughs> We're saving this one. Um, I mean, literally. Just a guy standing on top of the fountain. And he held a sign up for a little while. And then apparently thought, The police are coming. And he got down went over the side and slowly put his clothes back on and walked away. And it's actually a brilliant strategy because to this day, I could not tell you what he looks like at all. All I know was he was nude and he had a dry erase board. I don't know if he had blonde hair or, you know, blue eyes. He could have had a mohawk. You want the perfect disguise so people don't know who you are? Just be nude. It just works. But you have one question now, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. What is the sign? What was such an important message that this guy had to strip off his clothes and stand up with his dry erase board so that everyone could see? Would you hit that, please? It said this. I believe God can change the world. Do you? Now, I don't expect deep messages from a nude guy on top of a fountain. It just doesn't seem like the spot. But I promise you, he had wanted to convey this message. It was the whole thing he wanted to convey and he apparently was willing to go to great lengths to convey this message. And I remember nothing else. I can't tell you anything about him other than the fact he didn't have clothes on. I don't remember. The image is wearing socks. I remember his message. He was not wearing socks. Pam remembers he wasn't wearing socks. I remember his message. I think his message is brilliant. And I think the reason it's brilliant is because of the last two words. Do you? Because there are a lot of things we believe, but we don't really believe them because we don't act on them. You can say you believe something all you want, but unless you act on it, you don't really believe it. This story is about acting on it because this story is in all four of the Gospels. And that's rare, okay? The whole point of the Gospels is it is different witnesses telling you what they remember about Jesus. They're not contradicting, but if Adam described Jackie, he would describe her one way. And if Joel was describing Jackie, he would describe her similar, but there would be different things. And then if all of us described Jackie, there would be different things we would notice. Like, 
I can't tell what color your light's hitting you. I think that's a mustard shirt. Would that be correct? Hey, I'm good with colors. So, but maybe I would notice the mustard, mustard shirt because I like mustard. It's the only thing that should be on a chili dog is chili, cheese, and mustard. And maybe if you want to throw onions on it, it's acceptable. Ketchup? No. You should be ashamed of yourself if you put ketchup on a chili dog. But we would all notice different things. When, when the Gospels record the same thing, that means it was hugely important. So what was this story about? What, what just happened here? He fed a lot of people. That is, that is a good way of summarizing it. I mean, that's what happened. He fed a lot of people with not much food. I mean, five loaves. And these are not loaves like, here's a big French loaf. These would have been basically more like a muffin, if you think about it, size-wise. Or a biscuit. I like biscuits. But about the size of your hand. Okay, where five would be more than enough for a good lunch for you or I. If I eat five biscuits, I'm full. But I don't know if you've tried this or not. Five biscuits is not going to feed 5,000 people. And this probably wasn't just 5,000 people. It's the count of the men. Ladies, this is not a scriptural statement on your importance or anything. It's a statement of the time period. The men would have been counted. Uh, It's not like the women don't matter at all. It was the time. And if they're counting the men, that means there were probably at least 5,000 women there, maybe more, and probably kids. This could have been up to 20 25,000 people that were fed. It's not like the guys were just like, hey, I'm eating, and the woman, she can go somewhere else and make a sandwich. Just a joke. (laughs) Just a joke. Because obviously there was no food there, otherwise Jesus wouldn't have had to do this, okay? Yeah, I'm in trouble tonight, aren't I? I'm sleeping on the couch. Okay, um, it's just a joke, guys. Jesus fed a lot of people. Let's think about this for a second. Could you hit the slide, please, Noah? Jesus' response when the disciples come up and say, hey, it's getting late, send them somewhere. He says this. You give them something. I don't know about you, but I felt that way often. When I see uh, issues of, of, of justice, of need, I have felt God say, you do something about it. And I hate it. I really do. I want him to do something about it. Uh, many of you know about the work that we as a church are a part of in Nicaragua. Uh, some of you have been there. And, and most of you in the room that are threads know about the fact that we feed about 300 kids a day along with seven other churches. Uh, we feed about 300 kids a day that used to live in the dump there. And I can tell you the way I, I, I felt the first time I saw these, these kids living in this dump and I felt God say, do something about this. And my whole thought was, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. God, you're an idiot. I mean, my thought was, that's absurd. I was a youth minister at, yes, a mega church. But the first time I saw this, this was in the dump in, uh, in uh, Managua, Nicaragua. There were about 5,000 people living on the dump there. I don't know about you, but I can't feed 5,000 people just, you know, like, here, I'll take care of that. I'll just pull my wallet out. There you go. Here's my debit card. That'll feed you all. No. And all I know is I saw people that it was not safe for me to get out of the vehicle because they would have thought, you've got plenty, I have nothing. I'll take what you have, you'll be okay. So my friends, my Nicaraguan friends, would not allow us to get out of the vehicles because they were like, it's not safe. And I was sure God was saying, 
do something about this. Do something about this. And my only thought was, there is no way. There is absolutely no way. The disciples see the need. You know, you kind of expect Jesus to be like, that's so great that you see the need. You're thinking of other people. That's really good of you to think ahead like this. That's awesome. You're following me. But he doesn't say that. What he says is, you go feed them. That's great. I'm, I'm teaching here. Go feed 5,000 people. There's 12 of you all. What, you divide that up? That's like, what? I don't know, 400 people each? You can do that. No. Next slide, please. They describe this in, um, in the Gospel of John. They say this would be like eight months wages. So I want you to think for just a second here. Uh, median salary in America for a family is, would you hit this? It's 43000 excuse me. That's for a family. So if you're like, I don't make that. Think two people working together. That's median. So if you just took the average salary and you were to, or average family household that was making it, and you were to say, what is eight months here? That would be this much. Please. Okay. And that's for one mouthful. So it'd be like if we said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take $28,000, almost $29,000. We're going to use it to spend on it. To give you an idea what that means, that is not quite 1.6 times our yearly budget as a church. And that would be, well, Jesus says, excuse me, the disciples say that would be for one mouthful. Next slide, please. Now, if you have this guy's mouth, that's okay. Okay, one mouthful, if you're him, that may you know, rate a lot. Next slide, please. But realistically, for most of us, it would be like, here's a shrimp. You're starving, and you know, there's no food around you, but it's okay. I've got you covered. Here's a shrimp. Now, let's face it. If you go to a wedding or if you go, Pam and I went to a Chinese buffet uh, this week. It was a really good Chinese buffet. And they had shrimp. And you could just see people going after the shrimp. Oh, they were just digging into it. Why? Because we live in the Midwest and you don't have shrimp around here. If you see a shrimp farm, somebody's lying to you, okay? They have to be shipped in. And so you get excited about shrimp. But if somebody's just like, hey, I've got something special for you. Here's a shrimp. You're not going to be real excited about that, are you? You're like, that's great. That's just going to make me want to taste that one thing, and then I'm going to want more. Because nobody's ever like, hey, shrimp are the anti-Lay's potato chip. You can have just one, okay? No. You get one mouthful, and what do you want to do? You want to eat more. I mean, yeah, you want that little taste. That's great. But it just makes you want a little more. Next slide, please seems like god is asking the disciples to do the impossible and the problem is he's asking the disciples to do the impossible actually that's not really correct god doesn't ask us to do the impossible he asks us to be with him when he does the impossible see he doesn't say you get enough to feed them he just asks, how much do you have how much do you have? He doesn't say, hey, Jackie, go out in your mustard shirt and raise enough money to feed 20,000 people. Just what do you have on you? I mean, I've got some nickels on me. I have a $2 bill today. I mean, that's pretty impressive. But as impressive as it is, a $2 bill and 
Ooh, wow, I have 37 cents. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to feed a lot of people. Jesus asked us to be a part of him doing the impossible. And he, he blatantly asked on that. He asked us to be a part of him doing impossible things with the little bit we have. Next slide, please. That, that means that when he says, how many loaves do you have? He cares how many loaves you have, not because he needs that to be able to do the work, but because he's going to use that to do the work. And there's a big, huge difference. The problem so often in churches that we do things that God's not necessary for. We do wonderful things that we can do on our own and God doesn't need to show up at all. We can survive without him and no wonder people doubt that you know, God is real because we're not doing God-like work. We say we believe in a God who is all-powerful and then we do measly little bitty things because we have measly little bitty resources. But God will use those and do amazing things. Next slide, please. He's asking for us to give him what he has. Now, the story comes from John and it says where they got the five loaves. I love this. Jesus says, how much do you have? And the disciples go, well, this boy has something. <laughs> Come on, that's awesome. <laughs> I can relate to that. I mean, that's, you know, they, you could tell they were disciples. This is like a pastor statement here. You know, how much do you have? Well, my church members have this much. I mean, I understand this. The only one man enough to say it. I'll give you everything is this wee little boy. And since the term boy is used, we know that he is less than the age of 13. Because he would have been a young man if he was 13. A 12 year old boy is the only one to step up and be like, well, Jesus could use my lunch. And he does. Next slide, please. See, Jesus is asking you and me to make our resources available to him. He's not asking us to gain great resources. He's not saying, I need you to go out and raise all this. He's saying, what do you have? And then he's going to use that. Next slide, please. Now, these resources, there's tons of things. Your power. Next slide. Your, your time. I mean, you can name these. You can go over. Next slide, please. Your, your money. Next slide. Your, your creativity. Next slide. See, he wants all of those resources to be available and he will use them. He'll do incredible things with them. But he doesn't need them. I feel like sometimes we treat it as though if we don't provide enough, God can't do anything. First time I heard this passage from this, this psalm, it's from Psalm 50... I, I was like, why does God have lots of cows? What does that matter to me? I'm a 17-year-old boy. I've been cow tipping in my life, but I don't understand why it matters that God has lots of cows. But it says that he has the cows on a thousand hills. God doesn't need your resources. He doesn't need my resources. He's not up there going, oh, if only Anthony will provide me with enough money, we could change the world. But he wants to use our resources, and there's a huge difference. There's a monstrous difference. And the monstrous difference comes back to that little boy. You ever been in a brag-off before? Or a story-off, you might call him? Come on, let's face it. The second I told you the story of the nude guy on Trafalgar Square, some of you are like, whoa, that's a good story. And some of you are like, I can beat that. And some of you in the room probably could, couldn't you? 
be like, yeah, I mean, I can tell you stories of, my big thing is I like to scare people. And I can tell you story after story of where I have scared the wrong person when I was sure that I knew them. And I came up and went, ah! And then it turns out it was a stranger. Probably the best one ever was in Best Buy. And they had lots of DVDs in their hands. And <laughs> it was awesome. When the employees started running in there, I'm like, no, I thought she was a friend. But she's not. <laughs> yeah. We get into story offs. And I want you to think about that little boy again. I don't know about you. I can't beat a story like that. It, you know, they, all of these people, 20,000 people probably, at least 5,000 guys. They could have all been stagged for all I know. Okay, maybe it was just stag night with Jesus. All the, all the, the families were somewhere else. I don't know. But at least 5,000 people, probably more like 20,000 people. And all of them are like, I've got this amazing story. You know what? Jesus walked by and I touched the hem of his cloak. Jesus walked by and he winked at me. Jesus gave me dabs. And I got news for you. I am completely uncool the second I just said dabs. I'm a 44-year-old man and that's just stupid for me to say dabs. And it's not even right. It's like fist bump or something now, right? Did you just say, what's a dab? (laughs) Yeah, thanks for making my point. One time in my life, I was cool. I was the youth minister at Inner City Black Church in Detroit, Michigan. I was hip. Now I have hips. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> Guys, all of these stories, and the story off would be over the second one little boy said, Oh, wow, that's really cool. You waved at Jesus. I fed 20,000 people with him. I mean, you know, that'd be the type of story you'd hate because everybody else would be like, okay. (laughs) No, sorry. Not just his lunch. He gave it. He fed 20,000 people. Yes, Jesus did the miracle. Jesus loves to work through us. Those of you who are threads know that every sermon almost always comes back to the incarnation of the Trinity. Why? Because God is community in and of himself and because God loves to work through his people. Jesus could have fed 20,000. He could have been like, hey, you're hungry. Ta-da, Denny's. I mean, it could have just happened like that. Instead, he's like, hmm, what you got? That'll work. Five plus two equals more than enough. Because God loves to work through his people when we are willing. And the problem is, is far too often we are not willing. Now, this is not a plea for you to give more money to the church. If you're a thread, yes, I want you to support what we do. We need to pay rent. This is a thread for you. Excuse me. This is a plea for you and for me. To let God use our resources and work through them. And that does not mean, it will never mean, everything going to the church. If everything you and I give goes to the church, that is absurd because God wants to work through us during our daily lives. If we just give a little bit of time and just a little bit of money and just a little bit of resources to the church, that's a cop-out. Because we are the church Every moment of every day, when we're at Quick Trip, when we're teaching, when we are nurses, when we are our, our students, every moment we are the church and God is begging and pleading, saying, what do you have? I can work with that. 
But he wants us to give it to him. I can't tell you how many times I hear somebody say, oh, I just can't wait to give. I'll give one day. If you're not giving now, you probably never give. Students, I know money-wise is tight. I'm not saying you should give more money now. What I'm saying is uh, you, you're going to find out something as you get older. You're just going to get busier. <laughs> All of us in the room that are older can tell you, you just get busier. And guess what? As you make more money, you have less. I don't know why it works that way. It should be different, but it does. A little thing called bills. You have less time. You have less energy. You have less creativity. And if you're going to start giving, you give now. And again, I'm not talking about just a tapestry. God wants to work through our stuff. And the problem is, is so often we give nothing. Or even worse, we do this. Would you hit the next slide? Anybody know who this is? <laughs> Running girl. Who was that? <laughs> You're a genius. All right. I'm going to give you her name just so you can be even more of a genius now. Okay. You don't want her name? I want her name. I don't That's know it. Okay. Was it? Oh. I don't know. That was awful generous of you to let him have credit. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Rosie Ruiz. Say it out loud. Rosie Ruiz. Yes. She won the 1980 Boston Marathon for about a day. She probably didn't run more than a third of it. Yes. She doesn't look like a world-class runner, does she? That was the first thing. Also, she wasn't sweating. You may not know this, but after you run a marathon, you sweat a lot. And they were like, huh. Hey, this is kind of funny. Uh, Bill Rogers, who's this very famous American runner, was like, she doesn't have the thighs of a runner, <laughs> which is kind of funny until you look at them and you're like, oh, I mean, they're not bad. It's just like, have you ever seen a world-class runner? They're like that. I mean, you think, how can they run because the wind could blow them over? I mean, it's, they're that thin. And Bill Rogers was like, she doesn't look like a runner. And that was because she's not a runner. She faked her way through it. Why would she fake her way through it? Because everybody loves the glory. Yeah, everybody loves the fame. There was money involved in this. <laughs> Somebody else just said that. <laughs> Guys, everybody loves the glory. Maybe you've run into this. I know I have. Tons of people who talk about these amazing things that God has done through them. Always in the past and you never see God do anything through them now. Oh, I led all these people to the Lord. I, I had all these friends who, who didn't believe in Jesus and they came to know him. And yet you never, ever, ever see them bring anybody. Oh, wow, God did great things. Everybody loves the glory. We don't even know this little boy's name. Jesus does. I got a strange feeling when we, when we are in his presence, this little boy is going to be the one, one of the people that we know for sure. See, it's so easy to want the glory. It's so easy to be like, oh, God did great things through me in the past. It's so difficult to say yes now because there's always more demands on our resources. There's always, always more demand on our time. There's almost, always more demand for our energy, always more demand for our money. And it's so hard to just say, well, this is what I have, Lord. Take it and do what you can with it. But the beauty is, the one who has the cattle of a thousand hills 
wants to work with us. He wants to use your time and your energy. As small as you guys are, not like for your age, just because you're, you know, your age. (laughs) He wants to use you right where you are right now and do amazing things through you. Some of us in the room can tell you stories of kids your age where God has done incredible things through them. Some of us in the room are older and we're like, ah, our time has passed. But I can tell you stories of uh, God using people no matter what their age. Because they say yes. And my hope is that you and I say yes rather than, oh yeah, that'd be great one day. Because there is nothing like working with Him. It is no sacrifice to work with God. And I'm not going to say, oh, and don't worry, He'll give it all back to you. Sometimes He does, sometimes He doesn't. (laughs) Sometimes God has this pesky little thing of being like, yeah, I would like some more, please. I'll do some more stuff with it. But He does incredible stuff. When you and I say yes, So before I end, anybody have anything that needs to be added? Yes, I, uh, she took the subway for the Boston Marathon for the New York Marathon, which she used for qualifying. She rode in a cab with somebody else. <laughs> that was one of the, the things that condemned her was this. The, it was like a reporter. <laughs> and this reporter's like, yeah, I rode in a cab with her. <laughs> so, yes. Okay. Yes. She was asking about uh, uh, Rosie Ruiz. I was about to say Susie Ruiz. Uh, She said, did she take the subway? She took the subway. I'm sorry, reverse that. Boston, I don't know if Boston has a marathon. It was in New York that she rode the subway. It was in Boston that she rode the cab. She won. Uh, She did not win the New York marathon, though she got nixed from that too because it turns out she didn't run yet. Um, She supposedly won the Boston marathon until they found out that she had, like I say, run... Probably less than a third of it, which is still impressive, but not as impressive as 26.2 miles. Make sense? All right, then I'm going to end simply with this, because I really think that guy's sign is brilliant. Next slide. Do you? Just simply, do you? Oh, Kaylee, go ahead and I'll, I'll end. I'm sorry. Thank you, Pete. All right, I'll get it afterwards, okay? All right. Um, Because if you do, then act on it. If you don't act on it, don't talk about how you do. Sometimes you're going to fail. Sometimes I'm going to fail. But there are times for us to serve. There are times for us to be able to give. And if we believe, we will. And sometimes that means you are going to be on the last bit of your energy reserves and you're going to be sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is saying you need to spend time with so-and-so. And everything in your body is going to be like, I can't do it, I can't do it. But I will. And He's faithful. Because when we say I will, He does amazing things through it. Guys, let's pray and then let's sing to the one who some of us in this room say we believe. Hopefully, most of us in this room act on that belief. Pray with me, please. Jesus, help us to believe. And uh, 
Help us to act on that belief in such a way that people know that you are real. Help us to live lives where we trust you with what we have and you do amazing things through us. Because you fed 5,000 or more through five loaves and two fishes. There's absolutely no telling what you could do through the resources we have. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Guys and, and ladies, um, know this Jesus who wants to do amazing things through you. He's not just asking for you to give more and more, but is, is wanting to, to do things through you. Um, if you don't know him, I would love to introduce you. But there'll be several people in the back who would love to pray with you. Maybe you have something else you need to pray about. Maybe God has said, hey, I want you to be a part of doing this, and that scares you to death. It should. Doesn't mean it won't be awesome. It should. Duh. Um, if you need somebody to pray with, there'll be some people in the back. Otherwise, let's respond to him. Please, sing. Sing.